Well, you gotta put more money into your sickness. If it's low grade, it's gonna act like that. What the f*** is going on down there? It's a late Sunday night, at least on the East Coast. It's an early Sunday night over on the West Coast. I'm Vangelis, and I'm joined by Seth Buzzard here on WTF and TFW. Hi, how you doing? Not bad. How's your weekend been? Because it's over! Oh, it went by real quick. Oh. At the company Christmas party. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, that was last night. Did Bob or Frank get drunk at the Christmas party? Uh, we don't have any Bobs or Franks currently. Well, Hmm. We have had Bobs and Franks in the past. Did they get drunk at the Christmas party? Uh, in the past. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they don't just show up for them even though they're not there anymore? Yeah. Well, historically, the Christmas party was always on Friday after work. Yeah. But it's gotten to the point where the warehouse and some members of the office wouldn't be getting off until the Christmas party was like a good hour or two hours in because our our start time is later and we just always have overtime on Fridays now and it's a whole thing. So they did on Saturday, which was good, but it was in downtown Petaluma on a Saturday night, which is bad because it's already hard to find parking downtown Petaluma on a Saturday night because that's where all the bars are. Yeah. And then they were doing a thing where all the big boats from the yacht club came up the river um, because there's a pier downtown and they all tie up and have Christmas lights on the big expensive yachts and then Santa Claus comes on one of the yachts and then comes into town and it's a whole big thing so there's really no parking so (laughs) we were almost late to the party just because we were driving around trying to find a parking space damn and uh yeah, so maybe next year will be easier. That's what happens when you get Santa Claus coming to town. He's like the Pope, but less real and somehow yeah, and louder. I, and I had heard that was going to be going on, but like, it's one, it slipped my mind. Two, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And three, I forgot it's Saturday night and more people are downtown at that time of night than normal. And if I had put all the pieces together... I would have suggested that we just get an Uber and not worry about it. <laughs> but it was way too late by the time we realized the severity of the situation. Well, you made it out in one piece. Yeah. That's what's important. Um, did, you, did you talk about uh, your Thanksgiving in America and everything last time? Uh, a little bit. Aaron had, had much more interesting Black Friday stories. Yeah. Um, I'll I, have to listen. Yeah, I had. I mean, I had some, some food over there and it was pretty good. Had a, had a pretty good time. Hung out with Corinne a whole bunch. Did some streaming, um, and then uh, came back over here and uh, have been kind of back to normal. I think not quite, sort of getting there, but that uh, yeah, was cool. And uh, I got, I got, a, I got a Black Friday deal that I, I actually engaged with and can talk about later on in this episode. Ooh. So uh, to move into this episode, before we do, like going right into new picture picks, Seth, there was a big news drop on November twenty of just a bunch of pictures. Uh, and I figured the, the key thing to your interest is the confirmation they're doing a Combiner Wars uh, G2 Bruticus with Action Master Colored Legends Shockwave. Uh, I know you're a Shockwave man. Uh, do you have any interest in that thing? Uh, I, not really. 
I would. I'm just gonna be happy with the regular colored Combaticons. Mm. It's. I'm not that much of a Combaticon fan to get them again in G2 colors, or that much of a Shockwave fan to get a whole big set of figures just to have a, a slightly different colored Shockwave. You gotta go. Gotta go color complete on Shockwave. Yeah. Uh, Prove I'm, that fandom something something. Yeah. I guess I'm not a true fan. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I figured I'd, I'd run that by you before we jump into this. Um, There's also... I'm not also not a true Scotsman. Well, I didn't think you were. I mean, it, you, you, you come from Irish stock, do you not? I mean, that's yeah. different. But the, by saying true fan, I was invoking the no true Scotsman fallacy. Oh, no. We can't have want. fallacies on this podcast. No. All right? No fall... Only the... Opposite of a fallacy. Wow, what is that? The no true Scotsman fallacy? No, the opposite of a fallacy. Oh, a, a truism? A truism. Is that really what they call them? Truisms? I I, there are things called truisms. I don't know if they're necessarily the textbook opposite of a fallacy. Do you have all of the truisms, thus being an all truist? Because where does that word come from? Yeah. Man, uh, <laughs> you and your puns. Nope. Yep. You hey, did that on purpose. Hey, Seth, I want to talk about a picture. Okay. I, I went and dug up a blown up version of the picture for you because it's so tiny. Yeah, it's really small. It's a really small picture. And then I zoomed it in. I did the, the was a control plus on my keyboard to yep. make it uh, bigger, but less visible because now it's more pixely on the bright side the colors are all big patches and they're all completely different so it's kind of easy to see enough to to talk a little bit about it this is our first look i guess accidentally at unite warriors galvatronus hey there would you believe that about oh 12 14 hours after this conversation the official reveal of grand galvatron and unite warriors happened would you believe that it's now December 19th, and I'm only just getting over that. Oh, actually, no, I was busy. I was uh, I was doing a, a video, and uh, I also, you know, I, I figured out how to do this with, with some cards. I, I watched a cardistry video, and I could do that. It was pretty cool. Anyway, consider this, like, I don't know, our sealed envelope conversation. Here's what it was like before we knew what Grand Galvatron was. If you don't, then then skip ahead, I don't know, some minutes uh, until you hear us talking about something else. It's how it goes, man. It's how it goes. Spring. A silhouette had been put up ages ago, and the main thing one could tell from that silhouette is that uh, he had Rook and uh, off-road his legs, and he was using that Superion cannon as a Galvatron arm cannon. The cool thing here is that they're following up that idea with some paint, uh, the base of the Superion gun is in, like, a metallic, and then the barrel is bright orange, so it's totally a Galvatron cannon. The weird thing is that he's not purple. He's gray. He's being done, uh, at least the torso mode, is in the colors of the Galvatron toy. The weirder thing is that his right arm appears to be Starscream. The other weird thing is his left arm looks a whole lot like it's Armada Thrust, and no one can really pinpoint who his legs are. Uh... And the thing that I'm also wondering is who the hell the Voyager is, because, I mean, the combined mode's Galvatron, but, like, is that going to be a Cyclonus still? 
Or are they doing a new head on him? Are they going to do new heads for anyone else? Like that Starscream, I would assume, would need a new head. Uh, I'm very interested to see a reveal of this. And I had kind of hoped that by now, December 6th, we would have had a reveal. But I guess not. Um, Seth, I, I like I, I like Megalvatrons. So this kind of got my interest. Uh, what do you think about the idea of, like, number one, he's Toy Galvatron. Number two, Starscream is his right arm. Um, that's a dangerous arm to have. Yeah, it's the one that the cannon's on too. Right. So <laughs> you're just Starscream's gonna be like, I'm just gonna shoot myself in the face. <laughs> you're or Galvatron like, because it, isn't that like how it's depicted in the comics? Like the combined robot is an amalgamation of the personalities of the the individuals. Yeah, I think so. It's- there's gonna be like this this desire to kill himself or something (laughs) and then start taking orders from the right arm. (laughs) The right arm just grabs his cuff and tries pulling him along. Uh, I think it's implied in the comics that like there, there can be like a, you know, a battle of will and that some personalities might be more subsumed than the more strong ones. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole lot of weird about this also because Galvatron killed Starscream. So it's, it's double weird that Starscream is his arm. Uh, it'd be super cool if that arm was like somewhat translucent and it was just he has a ghost for an arm. Ghost arm. <laughs> um, but the the theory bouncing around is that if that is Armada thrust as the other arm, then maybe it's all like characters who were tied to Unicron as this combiner. This could be like a Unicron Herald combiner. But uh, I I feel like some people have said that the legs, like you know, the blue one, maybe Soundwave. I don't really think that would be it because if if Starscream and Soundwave are involved, then who the hell are the other two? Nobody. Maybe it's Lockdown. Or just, yeah, Lockdown is just chilling out on this thing. Suddenly, As a truck now. Yeah, and he's blue. <laughs> uh, and then, like, the tank with, like, I guess, a, or the Rook, <laughs> not the tank. It's Lockdown as a blue truck. That'd be even better. That'd be <laughs> even better. Uh, not a tank, by the way, sorry. The, the SWAT vehicle or whatever. And his face is a gun. What? I'm, anyway, I, I don't know who that is. If if they were to do a lockdown with a face gun thing, or at least like a movie lockdown head sculpt on a Combiner Wars toy, I'd be super cool with that, because that'd be so stupid. Um, I'm really interested in this. The torso alone and the Starscream arm, as a bonus, have me thinking this might be the first of the like Takara Tomy Mall exclusive Unite Warriors things I might actually pursue. But I said that about Defensor, and then I went back on it, so I don't know. Um, Seth, this looks like basically the spread for Unite Warriors that they've got here, uh, aside from perhaps doing a Bruticus or maybe a Computron. I think it looks pretty cool what they pulled off. Like, you know, the front three, Galvatron, Defensor, and Optimus are like web exclusives. But other than that, it's a pretty cool spread. Yeah, well, it's with this Galvatronist team, it's almost it's almost like the, the one with like the Ironhide and Prowl and Sunstreaker Mirage, where it's like, well, here's here's a bunch of Autobots. This looks like it's going to be here's a bunch of Decepticons, but where that selection of Autobots were all from that original lineup, this seems more or like less specific, all except for Starscream, and I don't know. Like, it, I'm not surprised that there is a Starscream, but it does seem weird for the character to be a limb 
So I don't know. It's a weird set. It'll be interesting to find out exactly who those legs are supposed to be. Yeah. And then what the fiction uh, might be for it too. If they do a little bio card or something, uh, I will say I'm a little bummed. I was hoping if, to, if unite warriors was going to do Galvatronus, I was like hoping for, even if it was just repaints for sweeps for limbs, uh, you know, sweeps combining with Cyclonus. So that's still a pipe dream for me. Doing toy Galvatron is enough of a swerve that I'm still interested in this, though. Uh, that's well, not what I was expecting. Way too late for them to do a new mold. Oh, for I, don't, I, I don't. I don't even want a new mold. Like I, I would love a new mold, but I, I would have been happy with just like two blue jets and two like two blue like rooks, basically. Like land and land and air sweeps. I don't know. And it might, maybe it'll happen at some point. But new mold sweeps, I think, would be a third-party thing at this point. Um. Anyway, that's my new picture pick. I'm all. I'm. I still am feeling the high of Combiner Wars. I'm still playing with those toys every every couple days, and and still feeling good about them. Um. Seth, what is your new picture pick? Because I think it's a weird one. Well, it is a weird one. There's a newcomer to the third-party scene. They're called '80s Dream. Which is weird, but it, because the their first figure has nothing to do with the 80s. It's true. <laughs> so their first figure is going to be a Voyager size Transformers Universe Megatron, but there's a twist. Ah! Do you, want, do you know what the twist is? What's the twist? He doesn't transform. Proper! He's not Transformer, not Megatron, not tra- Transformers. Yeah! Third party. I don't know what they're doing. Well, Who are these '80s dream people? What are they doing? The other weird thing about him is that he's a bunch. He's got like an internal skeleton that you can attach all the parts to. So he's like, he's some kind of modular figure building system. And then there's also diecast because why not? And then the weirdest part is this is Megatron from the MMO that got canceled. That yeah. was also a Mota at one point. So. For that, I can forgive the lack of an alt mode because who knew what he turned into? I don't know. I Probably guess space tank. Yeah, a space tank of some kind. Some it nautic- looks like there's tracks on his legs. Yeah, I guess. Also, Megatron turns into a tank a lot. Yep. Uh, I think this looks really cool, and I, and I think it's neat that it's probably going to be the only physical item that has anything to do with that Mota that will ever come out. Unless eighties dream decides this is going to be their bread and butter. It's a cool bread and butter to pick. Like, hey, that canceled MMO. Like that, that thing has got some legs behind it because that that was years of just showing up at Bacons. You know, we talked about it for years because it was so weird. Um, I don't think there's any price attached to this yet. They're just showing that they have a painted prototype now. But that's weird, and I kind of, I kind of dig it. I don't think I'll buy it but no. i kind of dig it <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know well it, I don't know. it seems like such a long shot item to be your first figure the, the having it not transform having it referencing something that never happened yeah it's, it's really risky it's so weird that I really respect it. Um, 
I hope it's not too expensive. I also, I, I'm wondering if like 80s Dream is more so making a figure building system than they are making like, yo, this is for Transformers. It's just that this is the first thing that they decided to do and they really like that game for some reason. And to try to make some foothold in the market, they got to they got to ape Transformers in some way, so. Yo, if you're going to, I mean, this is a source material that I, I'm, I'm, I really, I, I was hoping that more stuff like this might happen, not just like the canceled MMO, but just more stuff from other aesthetics that aren't G1 or G1 relevant uh, in the unofficial scene, is what I mean. Right, let's, let's see what happens. I think it's, I, I personally don't care that it doesn't transform. Like, it makes it a little less interesting, but it still represents something neat. So I'd like to see how it turns out. I could never really get behind the whole, like, if it doesn't transform, it's not a transformer thing. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily feel that way either, because there's been some interesting figures that have come out over the years that look accurate in a way that you can't do and still transform like those uh revel tech movie transformer figures that uh you know weren't necessarily fantastic but they had a lot of really good detail and captured the silhouettes better than an actual transforming toy can yeah um and then there's those like super expensive statues and there's the three like, stuff Ironhide statue yeah so the fact that it doesn't transform doesn't isn't necessarily bad, but if you're if this is your first entry into the market and it's such an obscure thing that no one is gonna have nostalgia for because it's nothing that anybody saw beyond like concept art or something. Everyone who worked um, on the game probably has nostalgia for it. Well, they're so, also trying to find jobs. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah the, whole, the art team for the game is the target market for this. That Actually, that'd be really cool if that was just like, like if 80s Dream is like, no, we're not actually looking to compete. We have infinite money. We just wanted to make a thing because we feel bad for those artists here. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see how all those details affect the price. If it like even if is, I don't, if it even is going up for sale, like, I don't, I don't know. Well, according to the front page story, there's been no date or price announced yet. But, like, when you consider how expensive third-party toys of that size are when they do transform, if this isn't significantly cheaper, then then uh, they're really doomed, I think. If it's a, a similar cost to a transforming third-party toy of that scale i don't know who would buy it at that point yeah i mean that's that's why i'm i'm hesitant to even like even though you know they're clearly at some point we're hoping to sell it and they're still making it I, i'm gonna be really surprised if they actually follow through with it outside of maybe a super limited run like this looks a whole lot more like a passion project than something that anyone was hoping to market um but you know, if it if it gets made in a mass sense, then I hope it turns out well. Um. Anyway, that's our new picture pick section. Yeah, Seth, this is a slow time of year for Transformer news. 
Do you remember that? Do you remember that MMO? Has it been long enough since it, it's confirmed a cancellation that we can say, do you remember? Well, yeah. I mean, once it never came out, it could be a thing that people stopped thinking about a long time ago. So I can imagine there being people that are like, hey, remember that MMO? What? Uh, oh, yeah. They were going to do that. And all and the then, people, all the people who are in the various betas are just sitting there going like, we actually played it. Oh, well, I take it back. Some people might have nostalgia, though. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? The art team probably has, I'm going to say it again. The people who made all that art, they probably have tons of nostalgia. <laughs> Did we just spending loop here? <laughs> spending years going like, we're going to, just another year. We're going to get to market. People will see all our hard work. And then they got a website made, and we almost saw all their hard work, but then we didn't. So sad. Um, anyway, we've got a listener question from Red Wolf. Ooh, Red Wolf. Uh, he says, hey, Evangelist and podcast crew. Awoo! I've got a question for you all. What do you all do with your IP infringing transforming toy after you get an official transforming toy? I'm Throw assuming it in the garbage. Yep. Um, I send it to Hasbro Legal. Yep, just with a note going, just write in big block capitals, do something. (laughs) Uh, Red Wolf says that he likes to keep his collection in sections like Classics slash (laughs) 2.0 slash Universe, uh, G1, Beast Wars, etc. What do you guys do with Classics Jetfire and Combiner Wars Jetfire, I guess as an example, and if there was a Combiner Wars Jetfire? Uh, Hope to hear an answer on the podcast. Um... So I, I, I understand that there are folks who need to have, like, the one representation on their shelf, and then they swap in and out the better one representation for their taste. Personally, I've never felt that way. Like, I keep stuff in boxes, often by series, because that's organized, but I don't have very passionate feelings about, how, about like, oh, I can only have one um, masterpiece scale version of a character. I can only have one four-inch scale version of a character. Like, I, 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 just, I don't feel that whatsoever so i don't have a good answer for you because i'm just like well then i i just have two of them then (laughs) um seth do you feel that need like you know if you have like a i don't know like yeah you have like a shockwave you have a shockwave and then you get a similar but better shockwave do you feel the need to do something about that old one that inferior one no because what tends to happen with me is i'll get new stuff and it'll like be out like on the coffee table or my desk where I could reach it easy and fiddle with it for a while. And then I'll hit a point where it's like, Oh, I got to clean up and get stuff out of here. And like right now, what I have on display is confined to one detolf cabinet. Mm -hmm. And then everything else just ends up getting thrown into boxes. And I need to organize those boxes. Like, I I need to like when things settle down more, like start going through boxes and like grouping everything by series, as you were saying, and then realizing I gotta get rid of some of these, and probably taking them to Goodwill instead of trying to piecemeal out stuff that people would sell at conventions in a big box with a sign saying like two for five dollars, <laughs> big sign with Mark Wahlberg's face on it. If you yeah something like that. If you're if you're somebody. Um and uh, yeah, so I I don't find myself in those situations of well i only have room for one shockwave or one ironhide or one optimus prime which one is it going to be 
Um, but like right now in that Detolf, I have that Quake wave. And when that Masterpiece Shockwave comes out, I want to get that. And then then I might be in that situation where I have to decide. But I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Yeah, like I, I'm going to be in a similar position. My my current plan is just Quake Wave's going to live over on another shelf with other similarly sized toys. Because, um, you know, he's going to look less Shockwave accurate what with his big blocky legs. But it still is a fine toy. Um, well, why don't you just keep them together and have your like gang of shockwave, shockwave brothers? Yeah, I, I might swap that together. The nice thing about shelving and display is that it's not permanent, so you can actually just pull toys in and out of it as much as what? you want. I I don't want to shatter people's worldviews here, but you can do that. It's like if I if I like a toy I'd really like to get that I just can't budget in right now is that DX9 Rodimus called Carry because he looks really cool. I, I'm going to have a Masterpiece Hot Rod as well. And that DX9 carry, I don't think, fits in with Masterpiece very well. But he fits in with Masterpiece-sized toys. So, like, him and Quake Wave and, like, I don't know if I ever get Masterpiece Sound Blaster. <laughs> they can all, like, live together on the other shelf of guys who are this big. I don't know. Or maybe some of them will just not be on a shelf for a bit or I'll switch them in, switch them in and out. Um, that's that's I, I, I have a very loosey-goosey approach to that kind of thing. And I... And, I am seeing that there are a lot of folks who are a lot more strict and stringent on, you know, who is represented where. And uh, I would, if you if you are someone who's very big on that, I would caution getting deep into the unofficial masterpiece alike thing because, like, if unless you have a combination of foresight, patience, and a lack of sentimentality or attachment to things that you actually get, this is just going to be a long, painful thing of you questioning every move you make, and. I don't know. Like I remember back when uh, when Mastermind Creations Mirage Sphinx was being displayed, there were I thought I saw a post somewhere of someone who was like, "Well, I'm about to buy a DX9 Invisible, so I have my Mirage on my shelf until that one comes out. And then when that one comes out, I'm going to get rid of Invisible and replace him with that one because that one's better. So then that one will be my Mirage." And I, I I felt like I wanted to question the motivations of like needing to have a Mirage on the shelf before the one you actually want. Yeah. For the sake of having a mirage on your shelf. Like, that to me seems like, uh, I mean, that, that could work for somebody. To me, that seems a little bit of an ill-conceived way to go about things. If if you're getting invisible just to be a temporary mirage, it's like, why did you get him? Because I believe because in... that's a really expensive placeholder. And, and I believe in, especially with unofficial stuff, especially with unofficial stuff, you should only get it if you actually think the toy itself is cool on its own. You know, or it's set, you know, it's team if it's a minor or whatever. Like, with unofficial stuff, even though some of that stuff's really good at filling in gaps, it should have some semblance of, like, attraction to you as a standalone piece as well, or it will become one of those classic regret purchases, I would say almost guaranteed. Um, and, I mean, that's that's why I'm, I'm so big on unofficial stuff that has qualities beyond being really good at filling a slot on a masterpiece shelf. Uh, you know, as that's the current trend. Because, yeah. you know, that's a very... I mean, some of those figures probably will never get official masterpieces, no matter how prolific the line is now. But if that's the only reason you want it, then I feel like that's kind of a waste of some of the money paying for it. Yeah, and where Red Wolf... Oh! Um, he's specifically points out like the the question of classics jet jet fire and combiner war jet fire 
if I did have more stuff on display, um, it would really come down to do I have like everything displayed by by line? Like this is my classic shelf, in which case I would keep classics Jetfire there, or is it just this is my A-list version of any given character that I have on display. In which case, if I was faced with that dilemma, I would totally replace Classic Jetfire with Combiner War Jetfire. Um, so really, that that question comes down to what is the theme of your display? And right now my theme is I have these four shelves in this glass cabinet... And I, I want to have my best looking stuff out there. So like all the transformers are, that I have out are masterpiece figures right now, and then two third party figures are in there, and then another shelf is all uh, monster arts, Godzilla and Mecha Godzillas, and then the last shelf is just sort of a uh, a more high end. A one six scale figure grab bag mm. that that isn't a, like there's some three A stuff in there. There's that uh, vulture guy from Four Horsemen. There's a figure that I'm going to talk about in the What We Got's. There's the uh, the Mezco Judge Dread. Um, I got to get the Batman out of the box he moved in, and then uh, the Mezco Batman will probably go in that case also. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm really limited as to what I can have out and seen. Oh, there's a Doctor Who Dalek in there. Well, in in your situation, I would I would like doubly recommend the whole idea of like rotating display. Like, yeah, like well, that's the idea, especially with that uh that one sort of grab bag shelf that yeah. that more than anything will like come and go, and then eventually maybe I'll rotate out all the Godzillas. But I think Transformers. And being specifically um, masterpiece figures will be a pretty, pretty much a constant in that case for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and it's it's manageable too. Yeah, I mean even even if you were heavy into the whole game of like masterpiece alike on official things, it's still pretty manageable because if you if you bide your time, it's it's there are lots of things coming out, but it's a lot of like, do you want their take on the guy or their take on the guy? Um, yeah. Well, on Thanksgiving, when uh, my brother and his family came over, I was a little concerned because this is the first time I've had the detolf set up with stuff in it um, since we moved. And this will be the first time my seven-year-old nephew had seen the detolf set up with stuff in it at all. And I just, because that thing, man, when you open and close that door... Like the whole thing shakes inside. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, I really hope he doesn't try to get in here and make a mess. And, and, uh, almost as soon as they come in, he, he's looking at it. And I hear him asking, like, what's that? And my brother going, ask your uncle. He is, my brother doesn't know what it is. <laughs> like, Uncle Seth, what is, what's this one? I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a bad guy robot called a Dalek. From a TV show called Doctor Who. And he was like, oh. And then he was completely disinterested in the Dalek after that. <laughs> and then he decided Masterpiece Soundwave was his favorite in the case. 
But he didn't try to get in. He just kept a kept yeah, a he, outside look. I, I think he was told really quick, like, "Don't even touch it. That's glass." <laughs> that sort of a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was good about it. But man, if oh. he could have could have gotten his hands on that stuff, he would have. A while ago, my girlfriend and I put together like a little Tupperware box of of toys for when the kids come over. It's like, okay, you could do whatever you want to what's in this box. Everything else is hands off, sort of a thing. Mm. And there's a couple of Transformers in there, and uh, my nephew uh, he doesn't care about robots apparently, but he loves cars and trucks and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you, you having to turn transformers back into vehicles for him yeah so i do that and then he starts trying to transform them back to robots gives up and asks me to make them cars again (laughs) Uh. anyway i hope that answered your listener question uh red wolf um like i said the the main thing to do when you want to set up a display is just don't buy into the whole idea that there's a proper way to display stuff. The proper way to display stuff is the way that makes you happy. And if you don't know what that is, then just try a billion things, because you can just redo it. Why not? Um, Seth, let's talk about what we got this week. Okay. Uh, I didn't get any Transformer stuff this week, uh, but I, I unearthed something that I bought on a Black ooh, Friday sale that I hadn't messed with. Unearthed Arcana. Yeah, that's right. Pickaxe just dug it up. No, I went to so during Black Friday, I got a tip that Green Man Gaming was selling Transformers Devastation's PC version for like eighteen dollars. I've heard a lot of talk about Green Man Gaming lately on video game podcasts. Uh oh, and how they may be up to shenanigans. Oh yeah, there's something super skeevy about the whole setup. Yeah, and some developers are like, please don't buy our stuff from Green Man Gaming. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. That's a bummer. I think some of the smaller developers. Oh, okay. So if I'm just hitting up Activision's treasure chest, should be okay. I'm trying to just... It's like the people who try to justify piracy. There's really no justification. (laughs) But um, I'd bought a game off there before. I forgot which one now. Uh, And so I figured, like, yo, I'll pay that for Transformers. So I booted it up on Steam just to make sure it all worked and everything. Uh, and it did, and I played Transformers Devastation for a bit. Seth, I really like Transformers Devastation. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. I've not... Uh, it's the first um, Platinum Melee game that I've ever played, I believe. Uh, I never played Revengeance or uh, or any of those other ones. So uh, I had a real good time with it. Uh, I only have one really big problem with the game. It's that it doesn't really tell you how anything in it works. Yeah. So I, I like when you get on the arc, they just sort of go like, yo, check out all the menu items. Here's where you can synthesize weapons. Here's where you can make tech. Here's the lab. Okay, have fun. And it just sort of stops telling you things. And I was like, but I don't know what any of this means. And what are all these numbers and all this data on the weapons thing? Yeah. So I looked up a video on YouTube that went in depth a little bit about how synthesis works. Maybe I should look at that because like, what are the, I forget what they're called now. It's been a while since I've played any of it but those those like mod chips you could make that's the tech stuff yeah so that little like mini game with the the thing sliding back before and the different colored bar yeah and then you hit the button to stop i have no idea where i'm supposed to be aiming for yeah there's no legend for the colors because <laughs> like i'm like I'm, I'm doing it i'm like okay this seems to be the smallest section which you know logically based on video games 
Um, that should be what I'm aiming for. And then I hit it, and Wheeljack goes, ah, oh, darn. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And, and yeah. then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I didn't get it. Maybe because it was close to the edge. <laughs> that happened okay, to me, too. Okay, let me try again. And then I hit, like, way outside of the gap. And Wheeljack's like, all right, that works. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing now. What color? What gap? I don't know what is good and what is bad until after I hit the button. Through sheer luck, I deduced what the colors were because I just experimented for a bit. Uh, But it's ridiculous that there's no legend because, okay, dark blue is bad. Light blue is normal. And then the orangey yellow part is really good. So, like, there are two different blues and then a gold, and the gold's the best, and then one of the blues is good, and the other one's bad. And it's like, the dark blue should have been red for bad. <laughs> That's yeah, how color and, coordination works. And I'm th- and if I remember right, like, those gold sections, there would usually be two of them on either side of the dark blue section. Yeah. Which made me think the gold section must be bad, because they're around the bad <laughs> section, which is the smallest section. And there's only one of those. Yeah, it's, oh, man, it's dumb. Once you know how it all works, like, a lot of the game is fine. It's just, like, I, I dig it that, especially from, you know, Platinum, Japanese developer, like, you know, tutorialization is not nearly as important uh, to, to that design mindset as it would be, like, a Western studio where, you know, you have a whole section of, like, crouch to get under this fallen debris. But, like, it's without... Outside help, I would call it impenetrable, almost. And, and I know there's harder games, but like, just it's it's so daunting. And then when you're playing the normal game, it doesn't feel like any of it's really necessary. Now that I mess with it, it has definite impacts and has made the game like way more fun for me. But yeah, that stuff was rough. Um, the other thing is like, there's a lot of a lot of firearms in the game, and a lot of them don't feel super important because the game is super melee focused. Uh, I've been told that the main thing, reason why you might want to pursue learning how to use all the firearms is that you need them to get double S ranks on things. And apparently it's fun to use them as reversal moves, which, uh, another thing the game didn't really surface is that there are like eight different things you can, that, that are literal extra combat controls that you have to purchase. But the game is just like, yeah, there's a lab where you can buy stuff. And I look in there and like reversals are in there and like entire new moves across all the characters are in there. Um, so that aside, I want to reiterate, I really like the game and I spent a whole long time playing it and I wasn't even playing the story a whole lot. I just spent a while playing challenge one over and over again, trying to learn like the rhythm of the combat and how stuff works. And it was really fun. Um, I could totally see myself enjoying, like just trying to get high rankings and everything, even if I finished the campaign and, uh, that's the kind of game it is. I can understand that might not be for everybody. You know, short campaign and lots of just play it over and over like an arcade game. Um, but I, I, I've uh, I've really dug it. I'm looking forward to playing some more of it. Um, I don't think I could get double S rank and everything because I have no idea how you even do that in half those challenges. Um, but it, it's it's a really lively, fun game, and I think it's a shame that it is so um, sh- like content shallow outside of like redoing stuff for better score. Because it's got a really good, like, baseline skeleton, and I wish there could be more being bolted onto it, but um, I really doubt there's going to be any DLC outside of those pre-order skins. So, that's unfortunate. I hope that it's good sales that I've been told about mean that, you know, in, like, two or three years, they make another one 
that, you know, can tack on some more systems and some more like yeah, maybe even multiplayer of some kind. Although the slowdown and, you know, when you dodge stuff, that doesn't seem super feasible. I just hope that there could be more of it uh, and, you know, that it could build outwards because there's, there's a really great base there. And it would be a shame if this is all that it ever becomes. Um, but yeah, I, I dug it. Really made me uh, want to bust out my Combiner Wars Devastator and mess with them a whole bunch. Um, yeah. Is the fight. Also, challenge number two. I had a moment with the game where I was like, oh, challenge two, fight the Constructicons. Okay, I guess I'm going to fight them in waves of two Constructicons. I jump into challenge two. All six Constructicons <laughs> are just coming at me at once. And I'm like, oh, God. And like I, I did that right after I'd finished chapter one. So I didn't have anyone leveled up enough to survive that encounter. Um, And then, like, you know, I, I went back in and I, and I beat them. And then De- and I was like, I wonder if and then Devastator falls out of the sky. And I was like, yep, OK, that would have terrified me if I was like still in my opening hour of the game and I played this, but I really like it too. Cause it's like, once you can beat all six Constructicons simultaneously, you start to feel like a badass. And I did. Um, anyway, that, that's all my on topic. What I got. I, I really dig devastation though. Like I'll stand by that game. That's fun. Lively. Nice. Seth, uh, did you do any on topic stuff? No, I haven't seen anything new in a while. Yeah, so, I haven't yeah. either. Waiting for the Combaticons to hit domestic or for me to find them when I'm in the States. I kind of don't feel like ordering them. Uh, I want to I just happen upon them. I want it to happen naturally. Uh, well, if you have nothing on topic, Seth, you, you do have off topic stuff because you alluded to it. I do have off topics. Um one of them I I had last time and forgot. Uh oh. So I'll talk about it now. Uh, so it was uh, a thing that came from Kickstarter. It's from the uh, Invicta Challenge Kickstarter. Yes. So it was a uh, a once six scale figure designed by the Four Horsemen of a uh, and I don't have his name. Um, but it's the the figure's based on a real soldier from World War Two. Yeah, he was a American paratrooper, uh, fought in D Day, uh, was half Native American, and uh, it was an it's an excellent figure. So the at the level I went in on, um, all that I got was the figure itself. But uh, you could get it on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble now. Um, and when you get the whole package, uh, it comes in a, a, a pretty good sized box with, uh, a, a comic book and like some maps and other information about, about the guy and about, um, D-Day. And then there's a, a code to download a game for like smart devices. And the idea is that you know you would give this to a kid and they would read the comic and look at the maps and then play the game and after having done that they would know what to do in the game and like if they just went into the game without like reading the materials then that they wouldn't know what to do and they would probably lose yeah. but uh by reading the educational material then they'll be better playing the game and it, it sounds like a really cool idea to to combine a toy, a video game, and and a, a historical um, 
like uh, um, information or uh, like in educational his, history stuff. And hopefully they'll be able to keep going and do more figures because like in their their video on Kickstarter, um, they they flashed a, a bunch of other uh, historical figures that um, could be possibly be toys in the future. And some of it's military, additional military, like they showed Tuskegee Airmen. Um, there, there was like a couple of the founding fathers. There was Abraham Lincoln in there, Harriet Tubman. Um, so it could be really interesting, especially if they go into like not necessarily military figures. Yeah. Um, and I would totally be down for an Abraham Lincoln figure at this quality. It's a really good figure. Um, the only issue that I had with it was getting his gun in his hand, the way his hand was sculpted, his, um, he has like one finger pointing out to like go on the trigger, but then like his middle finger and thumb were so close together. There was just no way to get the, the gun handle in. So I heated up some water and dipped his hand in there and that loosened up the plastic enough to where I was able to, to wedge the gun in. So it's like it it gets flexible with heat. It's like nothing to yeah. doesn't seem like it's brittle, right? But while he was still really hard, I I was just nervous about trying to to force it. Yeah, but just very well sculpted. Um, like when the uh, Kickstarter was up, the the prototype figure that they were showing uh, did not look anywhere near as good as what actually came out. Um, <laughs> That are there's some bits of the articulation that could have been slightly better, but it's like one of those trade offs of accuracy and quality of the sculpt and giving up a little bit of articulation. Like, like his elbows could have bent farther if they were double jointed, but they're single joints, but they still get pretty close to 90 degrees. And same with the knees, but uh, as a display figure, it's pretty, pretty great looking. Cool. I'm really happy with the quality of the figure, and uh, I would recommend checking it out if you ever wanted a World War II Army man at six inches. I guess it's really like I remember when you showed me the Kickstarter. I thought it was a really neat, like kind of edutainment way to to put together a really just solid action figure piece. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. I think it's really cool looking. Nice, and his uh, helmet comes off. Well, now he's a perfect Army Man figure. Yep, and then you can put that helmet on like your uh, Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero or something. <laughs> yeah, make him Army Sub-Zero. And then put Raiden's crazy hat on the Army Man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that would actually be really cool. Um, like I actually had, this is a little related, uh, Kickstarter I backed where I ended up going all in because I was able to, to just bump up to that a few months after I had done my initial pledge. Uh, it's Boss Fight Studios Kickstarter for Vitruvian Hacks. Uh, it was like basically a bunch of Gorgons fighting a bunch of Spartans. And then there's yeah. some skeletons too. Um, they just a few minutes ago turned on pre-orders if you didn't get in the Kickstarter because they have a date now. Apparently we Kickstarter people will be getting all of our stuff uh, between late January and uh, early February. And then anyone who pre-orders now apparently is getting their stuff after that. And uh, it's neat to see that thing finally come together because it was long delayed, although there was a lot of good communication as to why the delays happened. So I wasn't really annoyed, but 
it's weird seeing like an actual catalog page for it open now because I'm like, oh man, it's becoming real. Yeah, well, the the people doing the Invicta challenge figures, um, their part of their pledge was you will have this before Christmas. Man, that's bold. Yeah, and I had I had my figure before Thanksgiving. Man, so they they're not goofing around these guys. Like like, they they must have had so much of it done before the Kickstarter. Yeah, and I don't know if they made their deals with the Amazon and Barnes and Nobles like because of this Kickstarter being successful, or if they were already kind of had the ball rolling on that. Yeah, like I, I'm not sure what their business model was. Um, like if they if they had funding already to kind of do it, but then use Kickstarter as like a way to get more awareness. And then be like a pre-order thing, or yeah, or if the success of the Kickstarter led to getting those Amazon and Barnes and Noble deals. Either way, they did exactly what they said they were going to do. So yeah, it's really impressive. It is a successful Kickstarter campaign because, <laughs> like Vitruvian hacks, as soon as they because they were like, oh, we have a projected date for making the first wave of like four figures, and then like a fifth figure as a bonus. And then by the time their thing was done, the all-ins were getting like 32-plus items, and they were making 16-plus figures rather than four. And like, all you have to do is see how that ended and go like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're not going to make your date. Um, And I think that was a huge lesson for people to learn about, just like stretch goals. Like, when you got to make it clear, like, yo, if if our campaign goes from making X amount to four times X amount, our date is not going to be hit. Then that's the kind of thing you got to just say right up front because people are still so. Uh, I'm not going to say new, but people still. A lot of people regard Kickstarter in a lot of different ways. Um, and yeah, it, it's. Well, okay. Have you seen the Kickstarter for Mystery Science Theater 3000? I have, and I wish I wanted to take part in it, but there's. <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't think it's a bad Kickstarter. It's just like. There are various things about it that got me to go like, well, when they make it, I'll take a look at it. Well, one of the things that I really liked about how they wrote their campaign page was they broke down how the money was going to work. Yeah. So like, like they're like, this is our goal, which I think it was 2 million. 2 million for what? Three episodes, I think. Yeah. Which they made that goal in like five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like they said, like, here's our goal. Like this amount of the money we're not going to get because it goes to Kickstarter and fees and whatnot. Uh, Then this part we're not going to get because the like credit card companies take their slice. So now this is what we have left. And this much goes to building the sets. This much goes to this, this much goes to that. Then, that's why these episodes are going to be more expensive than additional episodes. Cause like all the stretch goals were based on how many episodes they were going to be able to do. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's going to be 2 million to get three episodes, but then it's going to be much less to get to five episodes and much less to get six because we don't have to do all these other things again. Like once the sets are built, then the sets are built. Yeah. And so uh, I, I really liked how you saw, you could see in this little thing that they wrote up, they know exactly how money works with Kickstarter and they know exactly where their money's going to go because there's been 
loads of Kickstarters where I don't think the people realized like how all the uh, the the rewards they were offering was going to impact their their bottom line because they didn't consider the shipping costs or or whatever else. And clearly the the MST guys uh, and gals um, are aware of all of that, which which made me happy reading their campaign page. Yeah, any campaign for any crowdfunding thing that can have like you know partial to absolutely full broke down transparent cost layouts it's fantastic <laughs> because it it takes away the idea that it's a pre-order for a product which it is not uh-huh. and and anything that can lay out like no what you're a part of this you're a part of this budget layout and i i would almost say like even if you're laying out a budget it's got to be written somewhere that the budget is flexible and could change depending on how things go um, cause that's just how it works when you make a thing, but if you can lay it out, it makes for such a stronger and more confidence building campaign. And I think a bummer about toy campaigns is how few of them lay out costs, you know, beyond like very general things. Um, although I, I tend to assume some of that comes from factory connections that don't want production costs to be known, uh, which I wish could also be made more transparent and just laid out. Um, Cause there's still like the whole notion of trade secrets and whatnot, which I'm super tired of hearing about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Kickstarter is still happening and toy Kickstarters are still happening. Yeah. Like I've, I've gone in on a few Kickstarters now. Some of them have not been successful. Um, this, this Invicta figure is the first time I've actually gotten anything in hand for, for funding a, a Kickstarter. And mm-hmm. and my girlfriend was making a comment. She was like, I should look at Kickstarter. Maybe there's something that I I could believe in and and back. And and I saw like somebody tweeting about the MST3K thing and I went, I think I might have found something for you. And I start playing her the the video. And there's Joel Hodgkin and she's like, Yes! Yes! And then <laughs> when he kind of lets it be known that he's not going to actually be in the show. Like he's just going to help with the writing and production and Jonah Ray is going to be the human. She was, she really cooled off on the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) She is. Apparently she had a big crush on Joel back in the day. Yeah. And I'm like, I I really like Jonah Ray as, as the guy. I think Jonah Ray is a really good choice. If you're going to have a new guy, I don't got a problem with it being Jonah Ray. And they they recently announced Pat Oswald is going to be the son of TV's Frank. I think a lot of their casting decisions are are super sound. Yeah. Um and I I feel bad now. I don't I didn't mean to come off like I don't like what they're doing cuz I I'm super ready to watch it uh-huh. when, once it's made. Anyway, Seth, you had other off-topic stuff? Yeah, so a couple weeks ago on meh.com. Yeah. Uh, which is what loot.com used to be. One item a day. That's it. They had these tiny, tiny little quadcopters. Um, let me see. I wrote down the name because it's not like an easy to remember name. Is it a tiny name? Uh, no, it's just letters and numbers. Oh. So it's called the uh, CX-10C four-channel quadcopter. Um, so it's a little tiny bastard, easily fits in the palm of your hand with room to spare. 
uh, and it has a camera. So it can take still photos and video and you fly it around your house and there's no microphone on the camera, which is good because otherwise all you would ever hear is, Oh my God. Um, that sounds like a dentist drill. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, you know, the I, I sent you uh, one of the videos I shot. Yes. And so it's so tiny. And it's this little pinhole camera. So the video quality isn't fantastic. But, you know, it's, it's decent for what it is, considering its size. It's not HD for sure. Um my only real problem with it is it's impossible to fly for more than a few seconds without crashing because it doesn't seem to be able to hover whatsoever. Oh, so it's always in motion. Well, when you throttle up, so it's an analog control. When you throttle up, um, even when you stop pushing the stick up, it doesn't maintain its altitude. It will just kind of keep going up. And then if you throttle down to try to compensate that it's still going up, then it starts descending. And then you overcompensate and either you go shooting into the sky or crashing straight down to the floor. <laughs> I um, wonder if, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is true, but I wonder if like, if one were to spend long enough with it for some reason, if there'd be like some way to learn how to feather it. Uh, most assuredly. Um, I have, I've only flown it a handful of times so far, but like way a few years ago when like tiny little remote control helicopters were first starting to appear, um, I bought one and it was a very similar situation. It was very hard to maintain any sort of altitude with the thing and not just go slamming into a wall or the floor or something. Then a couple of years ago, uh, my dad got a newer little helicopter um, that was also a bit bigger but he bought it because it had Coast Guard uh, designs on it. And that thing is amazing. That thing's super easy to fly. And you could really, really do good stuff on that thing. So mm. hopefully with practice, I could get better with this thing. Because it it's kind of fun. And it's neat to have this tiny little camera. And I don't know if it would be any good outside. Like I know with some of these tiny little remote control flying jobs, uh, direct sunlight can really screw up the signal. Yeah. And then it will just decide, okay, I'm just going to hit maximum altitude and go left and you'll never find me. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I'm on a roof somewhere or in a tree. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I'll keep messing with it and eventually maybe it'll be cool. That's a, that reminds me of the thing I saw Black Friday when I went around the Target with Kryn uh, around lunchtime on Black Friday. So it was still some stuff kicking around. There were a ton of kind of large drones all over the place. Oh, um, there's. Yeah. And that was freaking Kryn out a little bit. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird how like, you know, they are they, they they've marked them down so much that tons of people in your town could now all have drones. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> just cluttering up the sky, and I was like, "Yeah, it's and crashing into stuff." Yeah. <laughs> well, when we were in Las Vegas, we're walking through hotel casinos that have like malls in them, just about, and or gift shops selling RC drones, like parrot, like three hundred dollar parrot drones. Yeah. It's like, 
who why would you buy that in las vegas like what are you up to um wait till you get home and buy one <laughs> it's bad decisions and you get really drunk and you're in your hotel and you're like i'm gonna fly my drone you throw it out the window and just like <laughs> lands on the street and gets run over you're like well <laughs> never mind <laughs> i'm gonna go to bed and forget i bought that um yeah and those those little two-wheel platform things that people have now oh i saw one of those downtown here and i was like what is that those were for sale everywhere in vegas yeah i I understand when i saw somebody trying to like navigate the crowds on one at one point while we were there i was like you pile of garbage (laughs) (laughs) you piece of garbage you're not even a human (laughs) i believe they are hoverboards is how i've seen them referred to yeah, which is a really dumb name for him. And I mean, we, by navigating a crowd, you mean like he was literally trying to zigzag through a large crowd of people? Yeah, that's because they are they are still the equivalent of like a skateboard or like rollerblades or a bicycle. Like you don't drive that or through. A Segway. <laughs> yeah, you don't drive them straight through crowds. Like you said, yeah. it's still a vehicle. <laughs> well, they were talking about him on um, last week's episode of This Week in Tech. And I guess there's a company that is kind of becoming the front runner of selling them in the United States. And they're buying them from the Chinese company that invented it. And they're the, the American company's logo. They just took the Chinese company logo and turned it sideways. (laughs) And then once it's sideways, it kind of looks like the letters I and O. So they just named their company IO God, <laughs> and, and then uh, one of the guests, um, Owen Stone, was saying, uh, "Oh, is it Alibaba? Is is this big online web store in in Asia? And uh, you can buy them directly from the original Chinese company on that site. And if you order like, what do you say? If you order ten the price of them comes down to a hundred bucks each. And it's like, if you order a thousand, then they're 50 bucks each. He goes, so if you could get together like the $10,000 or whatever it is to get them for $50 each, then, and now I just realized the numbers I was quoting earlier don't add up to what I just said, but like whatever it was (laughs) like, so like whatever, like $10,000, whatever that number of units is, that works out to it bringing the price down to $50 each. He goes, you just do that and then resell them for like 200 bucks each. And you're making ridiculous profits. He goes, and people are just, or apparently will just buy them and they don't even know what they are. And then you look on YouTube for them and you just find videos of people falling on their faces. (laughs) (laughs) I won't lie. Like they look neat and I wouldn't mind playing with one, but I'd, I would want to, like, get pads and stuff for when I... You know how when you first tried riding a bike and you fell down a lot? Like, I would assume it's similar to that. Yeah, and then I just don't see a long-term use for it because you're not going to be able to just ride it around as a substitute for walking. Like, the way... They tried to tell everybody the segways were going to be, that the segway was going to be this new 
mode of transportation. Yeah. And then people who are dopey enough to buy one for personal use found out they can't drive it anywhere. I remember seeing, like, soon after the Segway started happening, I was riding my bike across Petaluma, and I see this older guy on a Segway looking super grumpy driving the thing um, next to the sidewalk. He wasn't on the sidewalk. He was kind of on the curb, and it wasn't really a good area of town to be doing that i was like look at this grouchy looking dude on a segway like what <laughs> what's happening and then realizing later oh that was leo laporte <laughs> that was leo laporte on a segway down by the wendy's <laughs> looking mad that he was on a segway it was it was weird oh man <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Pedal I mean, that's a weird place to live, man. <laughs> the, the hoverboard things, like the the way I'm talking about them, they are toys, you know. And and that's yeah. that's that's why I'd want to play around with one, is because like, yeah, it's a goofy thing, and I can hover around on the ground on my stupid wheelboard. Wee, uh, you know, it's like it's like razor scooters or you know rollerblades. <laughs> They're just fun to play with, and that's why you yeah. should get them. Like to get it going, like this will be. I'm living in the future. It's time for me to commute to work on my hoverboard. It's like, well, no. Like, you're going to do it once or twice because it's a stupid, funny thing to do. And then, you know, you're, you're going to be realizing you're standing the whole way there anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I live close enough to work to where it wouldn't be infeasible to ride something like that that far. But then, you know, I could also ride a bike faster than those yeah. things. Like, my leisurely bicycle speed is faster than those things move. So then I, I just don't see the point to them. They're, they're just like a fad gimmick thing that happened because it's the closest thing we got to the hoverboards from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. I Except mean, for those stasis lock boards that require specific surfaces and nitrous or uh, um, <laughs> um, liquid. The super cold crap. I like the idea of them needing um, nitrous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's that's like that's, li- liquid nitrogen is that's, what I was trying to say. <laughs> that's Biff's kids hoverboard needs the <laughs> yeah. nitrous. Uh, I mean, like I could also see them having the same draws. You know, the reason why people would have looked at the Segway, except that they're cheaper and they don't have a handle. So yeah. it's like it's like a cheap skateboard version of a. It's like the Segway skateboard. I don't know. Yeah. Then kind of the last thing of. I don't know, any kind of geeky interest. Um, So right after Thanksgiving, uh, Amazon had a big sale on their their, uh, Fire tablets, which are already cheap. They're like, what are they, like 50 bucks each? I don't even know. Um, Yeah, so they're they're cheap. They're like 7-inch screen. They don't do anything that really amazing. Um, But, you know, it's it's a tablet, and... If you're just going to, like, use a tablet to, like, look at websites and Twitter and YouTube and maybe Netflix or something, it does all that um, for a lot cheaper than just about anything else. So Amazon had a big sale on them where they were, uh, like, $35 each. So my girlfriend um, had talked to her bosses at work. And so she works at a program for developmentally disabled adults. 
Mm-hmm. And so they all agreed if we could get a bunch of tablets, like we could use them for classes and like we could like do a read along thing where we have participants on tablets and they're all reading along to the same book sort of a deal. And there could be uses for them. There might be some educational software we could get, blah, blah, blah. So um, we ordered a bunch of them. So we, we ordered like six and you could only order two at a time. So we had to do like multiple orders. Um, so those all came on Friday. And so I get home from work and they're all stacked up in the living room. And I, and I look down I'm like, man, for 35 bucks each, I, I should have just gotten one. <laughs> Just like I know it's not great, like a great, like super cool tablet, but yeah, it's only thirty five bucks. Get a comicsology on there, I bet, and get comics, read comics on it, or play some games, whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I can only agree with you. Like, yeah, there a tablet is a handy thing to have around. Like, it's not like essential, but holy crap, it's a handy thing. Yeah. Like, you know, just like you said, like, especially for comiXology, it's like, that is what completes the comiXology equation, is yeah. the tablet. And I have an old um, HP tablet that uh, a buddy of mine helped um, hack uh, the Android OS onto. His HP just threw their hands up, like, right after they released the thing, they threw their hands up and were like, we're not supporting this anymore, it's over. <laughs> so, like, I got that for, like, a hundred bucks when it was originally, like, six hundred dollars or something like that. Um, But that thing's getting long in the tooth, and it was really big and kind of heavy, and I did use it to for comiXology primarily, and then just sort of haven't in a long time. Uh, which is why I didn't get one of these fire tablets when they were 35 bucks because I was like, Oh, you know, I never use that HP one, but then it was like, yeah, but it was only 35 bucks. <laughs> so last night, the next day, um, from all those showing up, um, go to the company Christmas party and the big, the big thing there after the speeches about what a great job we've been doing all year and why we should be afraid of the oncoming year. Because our jobs are going to be way harder, but it's good for the bosses, but it's going to be tough for the workers. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, they they do like a raffle, and everybody gets gifts. And uh, I won one of these fire tablets <laughs> at the uh, at the Christmas party last night, so I got one anyway, and I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> so it was hilarious. Like when my my card gets pulled and I go up to get it from the boss and he's handing it to me. I said, you know, what's hilarious is I have six of these in my living room right now. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, they're not for me though. So this is cool. I get, I get one of my own. (laughs) I was going to ask you if you at some point had thought about rolling around in them. No, I did take a picture of all of them this morning and tweeted it. Yeah. Like all of them on my dining room table, and I said, "Yo, I got that Amazon Fire money." <laughs> you should have held them like a like a hand of cards or something. Yeah, like a fan of fires, or like posed over them like I was gangsta. Yeah, like I had a stack of iPads <laughs> or something that was actually expensive, <laughs> and that that was one of or that was the grand prize um, of the raffle was a. Uh, 
a um, an iPad Mini. And the dude that I was sitting next to ended up winning that. And when he came back from collecting it and sat down, I was like, yo, man, I'll trade you. And he's like, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm like, no, think of it this way. If you drop that and it breaks, you're going to be bummed. If you drop this and it breaks, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, no, nah, I think I'm going to hang on to this one and risk it. I'm like, all right, you're lost. <laughs> sucker. <laughs> And I think that's all I got. Oh, and then we swung by Toys R Us today, and because they were doing a bunch of bogos and stuff. Bogo. So we got the uh, the most current Skylanders. Oh and man, they were actually doing a bogo on the uh, the Lego Dimensions figures. They which... they had one of those on Black Friday when I was there. I got tempted, but I didn't on the Lego. Yeah, it was. I think it was a. Yeah, it was a bogo. Um, I forgot what. The, I think it was like forty-one percent off the second one, or something. It's usually forty percent. Forty percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I missed seeing that for Black Friday, but all up till now, all the all the deals I've seen for Lego Dimensions have not been as good as a forty percent bogo. So there was a bunch of figures we've passed on so far, like from Wave 1. We passed on all the Ninjago and Chimara, Chimara Chimichanga figures. Yep. So uh, uh, we just swept those up once they were bogoed. <laughs> so. you, swept up the, you swept them up once they were covered in a thick layer of bogo. Yeah. And then we also did some <laughs> Christmas shopping for my niece and nephew. So it wasn't just adults buying toys from themselves <laughs> that time so okay so earlier we were at costco yeah and they had this set of disney princess figures that have um these like hard plastic dresses and there's they're like a spring clip thing so you could take the dresses off and swap them around and it was like six Disney princesses. And then the Costco exclusive was you also got the two girls from Frozen. And my niece is obsessed with Frozen as any little girl should be, I guess. So I'm like, ah, oh, this, this is like, this is probably all right for her. So I take a picture of it and I, I send it to my brother. I'm like, does this look like it would be a good gift for Viv? Um, and he goes, yeah, that, that will work. I'm like, okay, cool. Do you have any um, suggestions for Mace? And he's like, he wants a chubby puppy. And and I look at my girlfriend. I'm like, I don't know what a chubby puppy is. And also, what? <laughs> so I Google chubby puppy. Sounds rude. I, well, I Google chubby puppies and pictures of them come up. And I was like, come on kid <laughs> i'm gonna google chubby don't, don't you want like a batman or star wars guys or a toy truck or anything cool? oh these are spin master too <laughs> god damn it all right well and so <laughs> we go to toys r us and we find them and i'm like man these things and like my girlfriend's like, oh, they're cute. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, he's a seven year old boy, man. He should be like, when I was seven, I was 100% Star Wars toys. That was the only thing I wanted in life. Hey, um, hey, yo, what if what if this is just the start of a path that creates like this wonderful altruistic veterinarian who like rescues dogs and 
Oh, that'd be great. Because right now he's a spaz. So <laughs> if, if he became anything useful, that'd be fine. Um, uh, so I'm like, okay. Well, I want to make sure that this is the deal before I go buy in any of these things. So I take a picture of one of them and I send it to my brother. I'm like, these are the thing, right? Um, these are the chubby puppies. And my brother goes, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> Because he just saw a video on YouTube about him, and he he won't stop talking about it. I'm like, oh, all right. So I just picked out one of those, and then I'm also gonna get him like a Star Wars guy or Yo, something. Chubby puppies, hop and waddle. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get him a Batman to go with his chubby puppy or something. You should. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I have ideas, but I won't share them right now. Yeah. And, you know, whatever the kid likes, the kid likes. I mean, I shouldn't be judging him. He's only seven, but I was like, I want my nephew to like cool stuff that, like, I'll be proud to buy for him. They just look really boring. And they they look like something for little, little kids. Like, they look like something for five-year-old kids. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay, I'm... I'm going through product images now. There is a greater play pattern that I could see in this now. Well, okay, what? Well, there's like they sell like sets and stuff, like tracks for them to bop or long on. Yeah, there's play but sets. They, and there's they like look a, like the sort of thing his little sister should be more interested in than him. There's like a seesaw, <laughs> and the thing waddles and hops, right? So it's going up the seesaw. Oh, it's at the top of the seesaw. Gravity takes hold. Seesaw goes down and keeps going on its way. Uh-huh. I can see that being kind of interesting. You know, who I shouldn't judge. In the mind but, of a seven-year-old, I could see if 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 this leads to like the playsets and whatnot, I could see this being a thing. On well, its own, it's like it's, anything else. It's something that he desperately wants right now and won't think about again. Like, oh yeah, last I, year, last year the things was hex bugs. Yeah, if I put myself in a seven-year-old mindset, I also would forget about it after about a yeah. week. Like he but, needed hex bugs last year. Yeah. It was all about hex bugs, and I got him a set of hex bugs. And then when his birthday was rolling around, I I asked my brother, I'm like, so is Mason still like into hex bugs? Should I get him more hex bugs? He goes, he couldn't care less about hex bugs. <laughs> this is weird though, because hex bugs <laughs> and these chubby puppies seem to basically do the same thing. Yeah, it's a motion hex bugs toy. Are cooler looking. Yeah, but they're, they're doing the same <laughs> thing. They're motion toys. He he seems to like things that walk around and go and like. I don't know, flop and waddle and whatever. Also, hex bugs were also 40% BOGO while we were at Toys R Us today. You should just get a hex Chubby bug. Chubby puppies weren't on sale. Get a hex bug, then go get a giant like ping pong ball and paint it like a dog and then just put it on the hex bug as a casing yeah. and say it's a chubby puppy. That might work. Then you'd also be lying to a seven-year-old. That's rude. But it would oh, also be cool. I was lying to those kids like nuts when they were here for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, man. I was making up stories, and they were buying everything. So we have this. Um, it's like a, a water sprinkler. Yeah. And it's shaped like a gargoyle. <clears throat> and uh, and they asked if it uh, ever comes to life. And, and I went, well, yeah, of course. It's a gargoyle. <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> of course it does. And they're like, well, when? No, we want to see it fly around. And I'm like, oh, it, it only changes at night and if you're not looking. 
And then they're like, well, we want to see it. I'm like, well, that's the thing. You can't see it because if you look, then it turns back to stone. The best part of this is they're not actually your kids. So you don't have to deal with the like the the fallout of this as time goes on where they're like, can we get a gargoyle? <laughs> well, they'll figure it out eventually. I know, but it's great because like all of the, the difficult well, parts of this are, are on someone else's shoulders. No, no, I've seen a lot of videos on YouTube these days. There are some people that won't grow out of something like that. Hey, listen, I I mean, you say it's a lie, but I've seen a gargoyle flow. No, I haven't. Um, I should have been telling them, like, yeah, the gargoyle comes to life, but the earth is round. <laughs> Never forget that part. <laughs> but the earth is round. <laughs> Just in case the gargoyle flying around made you think the earth was flat. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, don't look at those videos on YouTube. Keep watching your chubby puppy videos. Oh. <laughs> uh. Seth, I have a 3A thing to talk about. Oh, again? Yeah. Didn't we do this? I got another one. Uh, now, I, so- now I know what Gogdog felt like when he didn't care about 3A at all. That's we kept right. talking about <laughs> I, I got this off eBay for 60, I think 69, 69 or $67. Yeah, I forgot $69. Which. Yeah, woo! woo! Basically, just shy of 70 shipped for this. This is 3A's Dr. Doom. Oh, uh, yeah. Dr. Doom. He's like so, third. It was like 70 bucks for that Dr. Doom? Yeah, and so... Weren't they, like, a couple hundred bucks? Yeah, yeah. And for weeks, I was seeing these auctions ending super cheap, and I kept going, like, well, it's not super cheap enough for me. I'm going to keep... There seemed to be a limitless supply of these. I'll keep waiting. Because I was like, I'll get the classic and the stealth Doctor Dooms, because in all of 3A's photography, their lighting is so bad, you can't actually tell the difference between them. Uh, Except that, like, the classic has a brown cape and the cell has a black cape. So I got a classic one, and then I was like, all right! I'll just Shouldn't nail a stealth one. Have a green cape. Should, should be green, but that's besides. Well, that's another point we we'll get to. But anyway, I was like, "All right, I'm going to track down a stealth one." And then the seller of all these cheap Doctor Dooms, right after I got mine, was like, "Hey, I should be making the starting bidding price a hundred and something dollars, and not the tiny low price I was starting at." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, screw you! Now I'm not buying any of your Doctor Dooms." Yeah, so either. I just, just got my one, but it sucks because now I'm talking about my cheap Doctor Doom, and everyone's like, "Where'd you get it?" I'm like, "From someone who doesn't exist anymore." Um, but he's like, <laughs> I destroyed them. <laughs> I, with As Doctor Doom would have, <laughs> <laughs> I clenched my Doom's hand, and he ceased his eBay page, just vanished. Uh, so that Doom is like about 13, 14 inches tall. Um, and it's great. I mean, bearing in mind, I didn't pay very much for it. If one were to pay like 150 tops for it, I think it would be worthwhile, but for under a hundred, oh, it's so good. Um, they made so 3A did Iron Man. That was their first Marvel DC crossover oh, figure. Bad too. And that yeah, the first run of that Iron Man, which is four of its five or four of its six colorways, the first four were garbage by all reports. I still would I love just, to... The, I just can't stand the design, the shape of it. I, I don't mind the design. It's so don't goofy. I, I kind of like the goofiness. I, I've seen them in person now at, at a comic shop. Like, the Silver Centurion colors, I think it looks good on that design. But I would never pay more than 50 bucks for one because there's a huge chance that they're just going to, like, break apart when you're playing with them because they're kind of a mess. Doctor Doom is not a mess. Doctor Doom is, is pretty cool. But he's also still, he's got, like, inexplicable rubber parts, not huge, giant rubber tubes over entire limbs like Iron Man, but, like, the joint around his elbow has a rubber coating around it that's, like, done up as, like, wrinkly, like, you know, like, the inside of a suit of armor. Yeah. He's got these, like, just so on his elbows, and then on, like, the inside of his hips, and then, like, part of his ankle 
armor and then like the collarbone piece of his armor is is pvc also his cape and hood is made of rubber not cloth like Hmm. thin like flexible like not flexible it's like i don't know what you would call like life jacket material or something It, it just feels weird i don't mind it it's got a wire in it still um but there's a lot of it's like i guess that's ashley wood's like weird like fetishy thing that he was thinking of when he was doing these is like clown shoes and rubber um because they yeah. also they have they have big shoes, which I am one of the like ten people on planet Earth. I actually don't mind those big shoes. I think they look fine for the designs. Yeah, I was gonna say that there's some there's some Ashley Wood touches like those dopey looking feet. Yeah, um, I, I for whatever reason on the armor they look uh, great for swimming. That's right. Uh, in the front toe joint, according to a custom I've seen, you can actually like just somehow get the front toe off and stick on like a shorter front toe from another Dr. Doom. I forgot which. And it looks cool. Um I, I don't mind it though. The only the only problem is so this guy has got like a lot of ratcheting joints everywhere except for his feet and ankles, which are ball joints and hinges. So he's real easy to teeter around, even though the whole of his body is like rigid, solid posed. His ankles are not super tight, uh, compared to all that stuff. Also he has his manual is just about his battery installation and he's built weird and he could have used an instruction book because like like he doesn't so he has like a waist joint and an ab joint but then like those joints are made of all these layered plates and they're held together with like a spring-loaded elastic system so you can stretch his torso up for some reason (laughs) and then it snaps back down and i was like so like I think it's Grimlock is King on Twitter has one as well, and I was like, "Why is this?" And he's like, "It's kind of like an old GI Joe joint. It's so you can like I figured it out. It's so you can you know bend him at the abs or twist him, not bend him, but twist him at the abs and waist, and then his armor will like flex around and it'll be able to actually pose that way without stuff banging together. It it works in that regard. It's just weird. Um, be a real bummer if it disintegrates and breaks like uh, those O rings could on old GI Joes." Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know if it's just a big elastic band or if it's a spring system in there, because I, I have never seen one dissected, and I don't want to dissect mine. Um, but, it like, he's a really imposing-looking figure. He has an opening mouth for some reason, which is really funny. Um, <sighs> and then he's, you know, he like, he for, for Ashley Wood hands, they are pretty tight. He's able to hold his pistol well. Uh, the, like, combined hood cloak thing looks a lot better than I was expecting in person. And then, like, the chain that, you know, the clasp that holds it on, one side of it is actually built. It holds together fine, but, like, one side of it is made so it's easy for the user to undo it. And then the holes around his shoulders are cut big enough so you can, like, you know, leaving his shoulder pads on, you can really easily take the cloak off to see his just, like, crazy robot suit Uh with the the big, like, spinal cord on it and everything. I really like this Doom. Like, he's he's a really cool Doctor Doom. Um... It's a shame that he's usually so expensive because for like $200, $300, he's way too sparse. He has he, like his accessories are his cloak and his pistol that's on his belt. Like that's it. Uh, he does not have enough value in him for that much money. And his lack of documentation would be very frightening if he had cost actually 200 to 300 bucks. So those parts in his legs light up? Uh, yeah, it's each of his thighs is a, is a spot you put batteries into. And then you put batteries into his spine for his torso, and you put batteries into his brain for his eyes. And then the torso and the headlights, you have to open the whole compartment to flick a switch. 
but his thighs have got spring-loaded click buttons on the insides that you use to turn them on. So it's, again, really weird. Yeah. Um, But the lights are neat. Like, they're bright. They look cool. He looks cool. Like, I'm... Because I, I, I've got the Ultron coming as well. And uh, I think that... I think that the designs look really neat for these villain characters. So I was happy that Doctor Doom was solidly built. I'd heard from the, like... 0.75 of a review of him out on the internet that he was really solidly built and possibly was so solidly built as, you know, a response to how poorly built their Iron Man was. Like the rumor is that Marvel like threw a brick at them and went like the next figure has to be on time and built well because that's what happened with it with Doctor Doom. Yeah, I was just um, chuckling at the uh, the Twitter replies to the picture you sent me and at call me Pala saying Man titties, check. Lightning bolts, lightning bolts pointed to cross, crotch, check. Duckbill sandals, check. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't notice the crotch lightning bolts until that was pointed out. And I was like, yeah, it's, I bet you that was Ashley Wood sitting there going like, <laughs> while he was designing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like it way better than that Iron Man. And... There are some really cool looking aspects to it, but then aspects that I don't care for that much. And then when you combine like the regular price of it with also, I don't go in for a one six scale. I I just can't get that excited about it. But I mean, there the stuff that I like. I love the head. The head sculpt I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, well, the the upside about the price is that and I think because of the Iron Man, like Iron Man and Doctor Doom are getting they they are price slashed everywhere online, um, off and on. You have to do some digging. Uh, a bunch of cheap ones showed up on Amazon a couple weeks ago. Uh, I found this cheap one on eBay because Iron Man tainted so many people's opinions. And then, like, nobody has reviewed Doctor Doom, so there's, like, it's impossible to find solid feedback on Doctor Doom online. Um, that So Doctor Doom has suffered due to that Iron Man toy as far as the aftermarket, which the upside is it's not impossible to get a really good deal on him uh, if you do some digging. Like, don't pay more than $150 for him. Um, electronics included, he's just not worth more than that. Uh, but, yeah... I, I dig him. He's got, he's just, he's so solidly built and I was so ready for him not to be, but all the ratchety joints are really fun. And he can, he can, as you can see in my pictures, he can stand on a ledge and raise his fist and yell Richards and his mouth actually opens and it's neat. Um, that's my off topic. What I got this week. So Seth, I think that we are done our, our short little Sunday night recording. Yeah, seems that way. Capping it off at a short 96 and a half minutes or so. Um, you know, the raw recording timeline. I don't know what the real one will be. Uh, Seth, thanks for joining me. And, hey. uh, hey, yeah. Hey, thanks for joining me. Huh. Uh, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back again with some more Transformers talk. Um, I should have at least a Transformers-y thing to talk about next week. I thought it was going to be here for this recording, but it wasn't. And I was like, why Why not? Um, but yeah, stay tuned for more. We'll be back. And uh, welcome to December. Sucka. <laughs>